0: I hear there's rumors on the uh, internet.
1: Hello from Berlin and Bratislava. My name is Mark.
0: And I'm David and you're listening to the Check Your Facts podcast. A little podcast about media, journalism and everything connected. How are you, Mark?
1: I'm fine. It's untypical that we're recording on a Monday evening, but yeah, it's all right. I had a day off today. How about you? (laughs)
0: But you were working during the weekend. No, I had a really busy day. So so for me, it was a typical Monday. But we have to say we're recording from Bratislava and Berlin only because our guest is in Berlin. So just not to confuse the listeners. Yeah,
1: and yet not in the place where I'm staying because Berlin is so fucking big. probably. (laughs) Or we are all too busy or I don't know.
0: How how many people live in Berlin?
1: Uh, The two of us plus some millions <laughs> i don't know you don't am know i I'm... allowed
2: to say something because i know it's 3.8 million
0: <laughs> 3.8 okay so it's like um, four fifth of slovakia because there are like five million people in <laughs> in slovakia so you are basically a small almost like uh, the well, whole 3. country
2: 5, maybe maybe i got that wrong maybe it's 3.5 but it's it's above three million <laughs>
0: Okay, it's like, absolutely huge. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I I guess we can (laughs) introduce the guests, right, Mark?
1: Yes, probably it's the best idea. (laughs) (laughs) So you do it, please. (laughs) Okay, because David is laughing. Uh, Normally, David is introducing the guests, but uh, I'm doing it right now. Um, Yeah, welcome, Eva. Nice Hello. to have you on the podcast, Eva Schulz, um, coincidence that it's the name of our almost chancellor in Germany, but um, yeah, welcome to the podcast.
2: <laughs> Hello, it's nice to be here.
0: <laughs> did, did you just get politi- political right away, Mark? Yes,
1: right away. <laughs> right away. Because I think well. it was one of the biggest like political phases in the last two weeks or so in Germany. Um. Or did you see or it in different, different, or <laughs> months, or how many days were it from the elections till now? Over oh, hundred.
2: I haven't counted, but it was like the longest period that we've ever had without a government. I think ever since this democracy is in place. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And how is it actually? Very uh, happy about it because I have read like different uh, opeds on on this, like the the, the German, mm, you know, uh, government forming and one of the one of the opinions was that that this is a sign of a healthy democracy that it's taking so <laughs> so long <laughs> because like people are you know talking to each other and just sounds crazy but uh, maybe i'm just crazy
2: i think it's uh, there is a point to that but of course people are, are getting it's getting on their nerves because we had two different coalitions that were trying to form and still, we're going to wait until March uh, to know about the second coalition, whether that's going to work out or not. So I can totally understand that people right now are rather like not so happy about democracy, but want democracy to be like working in the sense that we finally get some new laws made and things put, put through instead of just having this like commissionary government that's working right now and not really able to do something more than just keeping everything
0: going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so we, we we usually start with a, uh, a softer question like how did you get to journalism but <laughs> uh, like Ger- german national politics seems to be <laughs> better but but no no really like um could could you tell us like uh what are you doing now and how did you get to do this like uh-huh. the whole your whole journalism story, I mean.
2: God, the whole Um <laughs> Okay, so my name is Eva, I'm twenty seven years old and I right now I'm working as the host and also kind of how do you say, editor in chief of a young show about politics that's uh running mainly on Facebook and YouTube and that's aimed at millennials, like everybody from eighteen to twenty nine year old, because that's I think a target group that is not like one of these how do you say, underserved audiences when it comes to politics. And um, that is something that German public broadcasting wanted to change. And then we all got together and, and formed this show, which is called Deutschland 3000. Uh, we started last summer, just a few months before the election. And that was, of course, a super like hot time in both senses. And it was very exciting because uh, I got to know a whole new community or build a whole new community, got to know a new audience. And this platform that I'm working on now um and I think what like I I've been working as a journalist since I was 15 um started like very classical at the local newspaper they had this page uh, once a week where teenagers would write about topics that interest teenagers um and I started out there um and then that was at the beginning, it was very exciting because, for example, I got to go to the cinema for free and write about it and stuff like that. And at some point, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when you're 15, it's super cool.
0: Um, nice, this is the best. <laughs>
2: yeah, but what's not so cool is that after a few months, the editors came to me and said, "Well, we think that young people they don't want to read articles that are longer than seven, eight sentences." And I was like, "What?" But that's like that's a good introduction, maybe. <laughs> um, so I was kind of, like, angry about that and um, looking for new ways of doing, like, journalism as a 16-year-old, I think I was at that time. And then the funny thing is that it was my grandparents who came with an article which they had ripped out of a woman's magazine. I think Mark might know it. It's Brigitte Woman. Woman. And Brigitte Woman in 2005 had a story about blocks, this whole new exciting thing from the States. That was more or less the the headline. And my grandparents were like, here, we read about that. And Eva, you could just go write about what you want and the length you want. And nobody's going to tell you anything. Just like buy a domain and set up this blog. And that's what I did. And that was probably, I mean, that lay the the base for for everything that followed after that. Because the weblog was the perfect opportunity to just try everything. I would write, I I did a podcast, a weekly podcast for a year just to try it, I did video blogs before there was even a German YouTube sphere and scene, so you would still post them on Vimeo and all this stuff, I I did uh, Twitter experiments, I think the the umbrella above all my work is that I always tried out new social platforms and media and always worked for young audiences and that was always what, what drove me and then also... What I only recently realized is that starting as a blogger or a journalistic blogger always, but I always was in dialogue with my my readers or viewers or the users. So I I don't know any other kind of journalism than the one where you always interact with the community and get their feedback or get their, right at the beginning, get their input for topics and stories. Um, And that's also, I I wouldn't want to miss that. So that's how it
0: started. so what you what you're basically saying is that you were causing trouble for your supervisors since 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 beginning, and you've been um, experimenting with anything new, right?
2: Yes, that's I think yeah I think so. But I think most of my supervisors weren't so troubled. I um, looking back, I think it was more that also the fact that I was either a pupil or then later a student, and always doing these. The stuff for fun and this experiments, I would always start, and then a year later or so somebody would would call or write to me and say. Actually, we're looking somebody who is doing Snapchat reports or who is doing video blogs. And might we please just pay you for what you're already doing? Which is, of course, beautiful because um, that was uh, this way. I I rarely had to write any job applications or stuff because I always, <laughs> I don't know, kind of was doing something that then they were searching at a later point. So, for example, my very first job was uh, with Süddeutsche Zeitung. Um, they had they have still this young platform called jetzt.de. And in 2009, um, Jetz, they asked me whether I wanted to join them right after I graduated from high school, because at that time, most of the editorial staff was around the age of 30, and the editor-in-chief back then was Dirk von Gehlen, and Dirk had read a study that said, okay, uh, around the age of 30, it stops that you are like, open to innovation, and like, you just get more hesitant when it comes to embracing new oh, platforms no. and stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mark, I don't know. we're we're old. We we can just like stop everything right now.
1: Yeah, that's why we're doing that's why we're doing podcasts because it's an old format. <laughs> I'm
0: not let's sure. Let's start I mean... let's start a newspaper. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I mean that's also ten years ago. Maybe one should also do this study among journalists. But what he's, what he called me was about was if I he said there's these new platforms emerging like Twitter and Facebook and I wanna move yet there and my, my my people here are just too slow and could you please be our quota digital native? So I joined them as a 19-year-old editor, which was, of course, like, super exciting. And also they let me do everything and experiment with everything. I did, like, Twitter, Facebook, video, and also wrote articles on the site. And that was, yeah, that was the perfect start. And that was always... More like that than causing trouble. I hope I didn't cause any trouble for them.
0: <laughs> okay, sorry for sorry for saying that. It just it just sounded like you know the 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 person like the you know the the, the new stu- student who comes to the newsroom and we we get them like every half a year and they they're like super excited about everything. Mm-hmm. They just cannot understand why things are not moving faster. And why we are not trying this and that. And, and yeah, okay. I was like yeah. that. And I, I'm like, hey, <laughs> calm down. There are processes. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, that's true. I was like that too. And then when it didn't move faster, I just moved, I think. <laughs> so I also was this kind of youngster who just moved very quickly from one project to the next, which of course gave me, a, I think, very high learning curve. But quite recently, I also realized that it might be a different kind of learning and a bit different chance of, of learning other things when you just commit yourself to one project and follow that for a longer time than just a few months or half a year or something. But that's also something that I just recently last year started. So. <laughs> okay. But th- th-
0: there are two, two I- I- like, uh, points I want to ask you. Like first, yeah. uh, so you, you mentioned all of that before, but you did not mention and I read it about you that uh, you started coding like when you were nine years old right
2: yeah that's true that was because i was at the like i my father bought his first laptop i think in 1998 so i was nine or eight years old and I was exploring the web, and that was still this, the time where like, the screensavers were part of the most exciting stuff that was happening on laptops. And I was studying screensavers, and then I, like, I still know the sound of a modem. And I, I logged onto the internet whenever nobody needed the phone and explored what was going on there. And then I think my father observed that I was um, painting my first own websites in MS Paint. And he said, "Okay, Eva, that's not the way to do it. You don't paint a website; you code it." And then he bought me this book, um, HTML for Kids, and that was what I, yeah, I learned coding. Um, that was actually my first foreign language. And what, what's still the funniest part about it is that I didn't know um, copy and paste. I didn't know the, the the function, so I would just type all the code that was in the book, and that was, I think, also available on a on a CD rom that w- that came with it but i didn't understand that i could just copy paste so i really typed every fucking sign that was in the book and i think this way i learned html very very well yeah are you still sometimes.
0: using these skills
2: um no actually it's not i think um i don't know what's what's your observation but um it seems to like also journalists the ones that our programmers as well. I mean, they are much more professional than me. But I used them for quite a long time because I also learned CSS and PHP so that I could um, adjust my WordPress templates. I would never use a template just like that. I would always adjust it and put it into my like the forms that I needed and the content types that I needed. Uh, and that was what I needed programming for. But right now, like I'm mostly doing journalis- journalism on, on foreign platforms now, so I don't need the programming. I, I I try to program like I t- try to find out how algorithms work now, but that's a bit harder.
1: Oh, oh if yeah. you find if just, you find it <laughs> out. <laughs> no, us.
2: no, not yet.
0: <laughs> and and my s- second question is then like why video?
2: Um, well, video at the, like years ago was just one of the forms I tried out. I think I really tried out until the age of twenty five. I had tried out everything. I had worked for radio stations, I had worked with online media, I had even, um, I was in the development team of the very first German issue of Wired magazine, and there I, that was the time when um, there were the first iPad editions of publications would come out, so I I developed the print and the iPad edition at the same time, that was also very interesting, Um, and then at some point I got um, the offer to work as a reporter for a TV magazine, a young TV magazine, also aimed at, at young people, um, and that was just the perfect student job. I could do it besides university. Um, and it was super exciting and super fun. Also, because at that time, I basically had no responsibility other than having fun. They would brief me and say, here, that's the topic of the next show. We came up with this and this idea. How about we meet next week in Munich and you meet these and these people and do this and that with them and just do your thing. And it was, it was complete. I realized now I have, I'm like leading a team and I have all the responsibility how easy that was back then (laughs) and how playful and just such a nice way of working. Um, And of course, I think that made me fall in love with this um, medium. And also now, I mean, if I look at my own user experience and also what I do as a user of the internet, I just, I'm attracted to video content. So I try to do video myself. (laughs)
1: Yeah. does it answer everything david <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um well I, I was just thinking like is, is it at this moment is it still video because you uh, believe in that format or y- you see the future or is it because of the audience that that you see that that millennials are um <clears throat> you know consuming more content via uh, visuals um
2: a combination of both i think i mean the fact that millennials consume so much video, I think, is also an indicator of it being relevant for the future. Um, and so, yeah, it's a combination of both. And I think, yeah, I think most what we're doing right now with Deutschland3000 is also um, short videos that just pop up in your in your news stream and or news feed and give you just a two, three minute piece about politics. Maybe a topic that you normally wouldn't spend much time on or wouldn't be interested in because so far it hasn't been covered the way that my audience needs it or would it like would would it like want to have like um so that's i think right now it's great fun to to just experiment what is frustrating at some times or some points is that it takes so much time and so many people to do it um before deutschland 3000 i was working as a snapchat reporter and i also produced Video in a way, but I could do that completely on my own, like from doing the research to producing to putting it out there. And now we we are a big team. We're doing research. We're trying to put that uh, we're doing. We're putting out a video like once a week, and it's such it's, it's so much more resources that's going into this, and that sometimes just leaves me, I don't know, flabbergasted.
1: <laughs> what kind of word was that?
2: Uh, flabbergasted. This way, you're like astonished or. Ah. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, I think the peak everyone in Germany noticed you was indeed your Snapchat stories. Don't you think that? Um, could you tell us a bit more about these?
2: Um, everyone in Germany, I think, is very much like... Okay. <laughs> much everyone in the than... media scene. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I, yeah, Snapchat came out as a platform and I noticed it when my... A teenage cousin would start using it and at that time it the media talked about snapchat as like the 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 thing where youth would send each other dick pics and sexts and stuff because uh, messages were vanishing immediately and you couldn't see them twice and stuff and i was just very curious about the platform not because of the dick pics but because I felt like okay <laughs> there must be something more um, and I started using it like basically my cousin um, to- taught me how to use it and how to do the like first steps and then at some point I, I thought okay you must be able to do journalism on this platform and then I experimented a little bit with stories um, and then i moved to Brussels um, I studied urban studies in Brussels um so I had I had been around Molenbeek weeks and months before it made the headlines and then the Paris attacks happened um and all the, the the stuff that followed like this the the stuff that was written and and said and broadcasted about Molenbeek which was which appeared to me to like super one-sided and super black and white and I had known had to get to know this this quarter at this or this part of Brussels very differently and that just um kind of put me off and then I decided okay I have Snapchat and that's something I can just do immediate reporting with and then I, it took me some 15 minutes and I I um went to Molenbeek by bike and did a report on Snapchat um about like basically I said okay what the media is telling you is not the whole picture and here's a different point of view and I'm here and just telling you what I know about Molenbeek from my urban studies background um, and then I Uploaded this video also on Facebook and Twitter and I think that's what made it then go like mini viral among the media scene because obviously they uh, Like they weren't following me following me on Snapchat at that point because it's so hard still to go following on Snapchat and to just Put out stuff that you do there to share it um, on other platforms
1: I mean the recent updates I think worked on that and you now can share it outside of snapchat but still
2: yeah but to be honest pain. i have no idea because I, I don't even have snapchat on my phone anymore because oh. i think it's just not as the way i see it it's just not relevant anymore right now but also maybe because i'm now working for 20 plus year olds and that's like we when i then later worked for the snapchat project that was also by ard and zdf the public broadcasters Um, where we did a news channel for teenagers on Snapchat, we we very quickly realized that there's really this age gap of around 20 years. So if you're above the age of 20 years, you would just go use Instagram stories. And if you're under the age of 20 years, you would still prefer Snapchat. And I'm not sure whether it's still like that, because I stopped working with them a year ago. But at that point, to me, like Snapchat, when Insta stories became big, that was just, yeah, the death to Snapchat for me, at least.
1: Yeah, sure. And, you know, because you made everything on Snapchat, how hard it is to get any good analytics from them and how old the audience is and so on. So it's really hard. I know it from Build. I just recently told it in the last episode Mm -hmm. um, that it's quite good with the Discover function, but I'm not so sure if you're not on Discover, uh, what are the odds for, like, being on the home... home. I know there is no home screen anymore, but this, like, site... Side yeah. screen. I yeah. don't know. If you have you haven't probably seen the newest update of Snapchat. No, no, I then. haven't.
2: And I have to say, like, I don't. I don't want to like uh, be now the the Snapchat hater. I love Snapchat, and I'm super sad that it's just not as relevant anymore for my audiences. Um, because there were so many beautiful possibilities of doing like creative storytelling and being doing the, like this this DIY aspect that it had to it that I'm really missing on Instagram. Because on Instagram, everything has to be so chic and shiny. And I, I, I would much prefer Snapchat to be the the platform to be, but in my view, it's just not it
0: anymore. And do you, do you really think that uh, it has to be so, like so much polished on uh, on Instagram? Because I see, for example, um, I, I don't know, I think Guardian, they're using this like <laughs> really like almost like homemade visuals sometimes. But do, do you think it has to be like that? Like people...
2: Um, I think like, there's there's certainly a difference between stories and the um then I think what what would we call it? the picture content or the the photos yeah. that get posted on Instagram because I think there it still is this um that you that you have to, to to post super nice polished content to be successful or you have like a super individual strategy that's somehow taking off but I think the normal case is that you still have to to have like very polished and very brand branded or like at least follow a red thread. Um, and with stories, I think it's it's loosening up. But still, you can see influencers be very careful about what they post and what it looks like that they post. And um, it's still not as, I would say, real as Snapchat was.
0: Really? Because of I'm, course I'm, just, it, I'm just looking, looking now in my feed. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking in my feed, like, the stories. <laughs> um, and, like, like, the big players, like, NPR, Wired, they are, like, really doing, like, almost, you know, handmade ocean also national geographic mm-hmm. like uh maybe it's just like my my experience you're obviously like more in, into this that, that's why i'm like asking and i'm quite cu- curious about this obviously the 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 pictures in this like uh, instagram stream or feed or uh, i'm not sure if there is a like official name for, <laughs> for yeah. that but they they yes they, they tend to be like really polished But there there was recently a study that also the brands have moved into stories much more because Mm -hmm. the visibility after Instagram uh, changed the algorithm in the feed, uh, like they preferred stories because they have more visibility there.
2: Yeah, and I think maybe the algorithm also changed because stories are, of course, done more by influencers and by personas than by brands or used to be. And I think the other brands that you just um, named would not be the typical follow list of my users or the users that I work for on Facebook. I think these media brands are just not as present in their feeds as are certain influencers. And that's who who I am watching. Like, who are the personalities that are right now somehow um, relevant to the target audience that I'm working for on Facebook? But since Instagram right now is not my primary platform, I'm not too well informed about that. It's just that I don't think that media brands are... Like, that's also why we are not on Instagram with Deutschland3000 because we just don't see a huge potential for us as a brand there.
0: It's okay. You can say it. I'm old. <laughs>
2: <No>. <laughs> I think we just... You probably also observe this uh, as a as a journalist much more. And I always try to... I, I, I've always tried to think as like a typical person from my target group and i also try to use these platforms like this um yeah so it's not so much about age i think (laughs) it's more (laughs) about perspective
0: (laughs) okay okay (laughs) but so would you would you say that uh if if the like traditional media like the one i'm working for or mark is working for if they want to reach younger audiences let's say millennials or uh, Gen Gen Z or Gen Y um, uh, then should they like build a new platform like uh, the one you mentioned uh, you were working for by Deutsche Zeitung or uh, we see this other you know wave of like YouTubers or like what you do um, like, like people who are like taking the you know uh, like public like they're becoming like this public persona of of some like platform or publishing house we also see this mm-hmm. uh at least i see this in u.s media happening like uh, for example vox they have like yes. uh, yeah. many youtubers mm-hmm. doing these different shows but it's under the umbrella of vox but for example i have my favorite guy doing some youtube videos there
2: mm-hmm. um, i think it totally depends on the platform and also of course on your again, on the audience and the target or the, the the strategy. To me, just Instagram is one where I want to get to know and get close to people, to real people. And if you have, as a media house, if you have a, a branded channel, but you give me recurring personalities, then that might be a thing. I remember following on Snapchat, the New York Times, no, not New York Times, uh, the New Yorker, and the New Yorker has this the, this awesome couple um, who is doing who are doing the the, um, cartoon section Uh, and I remember Colin with cartoons and Colin would once a week give me an introduction into this week's uh, cartoons from the magazine so he was there coming up again and again and I got to know him and I got to look forward to the day that he would show up on the channel so if you come up with a strategy like that for Insta stories and it sounded like the Guardian or somebody doing it um, then I think that could work and on Facebook for example it's a completely different uh, spiel um, because there you can have uh, this thing that we are following for different reasons with um, a person in front of the camera but at the same time at deutschland 3000 we recently went viral with a video that i wasn't in that was just a super classical or not super classical, but a typical facebook movie um with with uh, uh, just emotional encounters between uh, recent refugees uh, of the age of 20 something who came to germany who met then um, uh, elders who had to flee from their home in 45. And we just uh, arranged for meetings between these two generations. And then you don't really, I I think when like they could, you can see the, I mean, all the food boom videos, all those videos that don't even need text that are still super um, successful on Facebook for, for good reasons. It's super platform dependent, I think.
0: Hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: You're
0: skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm I'm just i'm just thinking about this because uh i'm i'm like working in this like uh, <laughs> let's say that our tr- traditional media arm of this publishing house so i'm not like thinking about like how about like reaching y- younger audiences uh or, or stuff like that so that that's why i'm like asking these questions because i see different strategies and there is like no no um you know one well, there is no r- recipe for doing it right
2: yeah and i think if you're working for audiences that are like way above the age of 30 or around i don't know i don't know what's the average age of the audience that you're working for online because then they are probably not used to or not so attracted or interested in Personal stories or subject subjective storytelling, uh which is so super um uh successful with, with young audiences and millennials in Europe right now.
0: Well so. the the well it's mostly like wh- white men over thirty mm-hmm. <laughs> or like forty. Uh so it's like they're really traditional, but um I'm, I'm we have we have like a um uh platform dedicated for younger audiences, but but they they I would say they stopped doing like that much video production. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh also because the Facebook algorithm changing Yeah. and o- course, yeah. obviously in Slovakia uh, it's kind of at, at the moment because of the explore feed. Yeah. It, it's, Facebook okay. is almost de- <laughs> dead I would is say. It
2: also I for mean, the, yeah. I
0: mean yeah. It's, it's broken. It's it's broken. Do you do do you have this thing that you see the first post in the Facebook feed twice? Uh no, do you so have that? This hat? has been happening Mm-mm. in Slovakia for 3 or 4 weeks. Uh, everyone reported it and it's just like not getting better. Like every day you turn on your Facebook and the first and the second um post are the same. <laughs> and 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 maybe, the, maybe they like... are so good. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Be- pe- people are really mocking it at, at this moment and uh Actually, some people found out there's Twitter, and there you started mm-hmm. using it. Oh, that's which, interesting! That's right? super
2: interesting that they move platforms. Huh? Oh. And did your people then just stop producing and posting video? I mean, how do you do? You just reallocate people also in the teams then, or so we what have, are they doing uh, now?
0: Well, we started doing podcasts. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, which which which, but we are not uh, like obviously reaching uh, very young audiences. It's more like again the, the our traditional audience. But uh, for younger people, it became like uh, more articles uh, to read, like yeah. uh, these BuzzFeed style articles. So less less video because the, no one was watch like. Almost no one was watching. About much fewer people, and the video is um, because Slovakia like is small, so mm. you you cannot scale it. Then you cannot be adding advertisements. So 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 there is just like not a business model behind video um, for a private company at this moment yeah. in a small country. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's different when you work for for public media, but uh, I would like to like uh, know your take on this, like how to monetize uh, video.
2: Well, that's a problem that I'm not too um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, occupied with, obviously, because I'm working for public broadcasting. And that's, I know that this is a huge privilege and I'm very, very happy that it's not a thing that I have to deal with every day. I think Mark could talk much more about this. No, yeah. <laughs> no, you couldn't. No,
1: because I'm just here for four weeks, and before that, I was working for public media. So, ah, okay, I, I, yeah, was, I was that guy who was always <laughs> explaining it to David.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, so no, I I don't have the perfect solution, obviously, because otherwise I would be rich right now, probably. You're very, you're very, de- oh,
1: okay. yeah, you're very dependent on the platforms because Facebook changed it now from, I don't know, from, uh, ninety seconds to more. I think the video has. To- a video has to be like more than 90 seconds to monetize it so you're very dependent and on your own website there is no way besides like ads on the site or mid. I don't know if mid-rolls are even available Mm. in our players but pre-roll ads um, yeah but it's hard to monetize so if there's no solution from Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter you just
2: move on you just
1: move on and I don't know Try to reallocate or relocate the the team to anything else. I don't. I don't know. You have to. It's oh, it, uh, it got
0: depressing. Right yeah, now. it is depressing. No. I don't know what to say. It's, just, no, it's I mean, also ju- like
1: journalism or earning earning money with journalism is is depressing because uh, nobody wants to pay for it because the internet was free for all and is free for all.
2: Yeah, but that at a time where we so desperately need journalism and um, also just this example that you just put up or brought up with the 90 seconds, it's it's also a very, very strange thing how intensely Facebook is shaping the kind of journalism that we produce, right? Be it just length or be it also like the way of the kind of um, headlines we give our stories or the way that we tell. Like I, I completely, that's a complete different a way of of storytelling that I do for Facebook than I did for TV reports. Uh, it's it's the same medium, but that's all that is the same. Everything else has changed, and I, I completely. I also teach my team a completely different way of of how to tell stories. It's not anymore this that you have a proper curve of stuff that's happening with with a peak and then it goes down. No, the peak right now is at the very beginning, and then you put all the good stuff in the beginning just to keep people watching, um, and that. Yeah, sometimes drives us crazy, while at the same time it's such a nice um, challenge to just do it very, very well and to learn about this.
1: Do you have any insights for us? Like how long are the people watching it and what's like the best time for the best bits of your story, where to put it in the video? Is there anything like that? Everything. As I said,
2: everything in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, that's normal internet. internet yeah yeah exactly so we put the the strongest uh, stuff into the beginning and then um just try to keep it at that level um to to catch people and and win them in and maybe even switching their sound on <laughs> um and i I'm, I'm not even sure about the current statistics about how long people are watching with us um obviously uh, not too many people watch till the very end but we're actually like which what I really like about my work right now is that I get the chance to put out uh, new videos and new stuff so regularly and to learn so quickly so we we' recently experimenting with these meme headers where you just um put a big headline in the video in the in the very top that 's easy to read so that people would just stop when they are scrolling through their feet um and then we we experiment with keeping it on for the whole video versus putting it um like how do you say faded it, fade it out after fifteen seconds because then people either watch the video and don't need the meme header anymore or they still need it. So we're experimenting with that. We're experimenting with a lot with um typography in the videos. Um what do you like do you do you give it subtitles or which kind of, of content do you also have as, as fonts and as text on the video? Um all, all, all stuff like that. It's like uh, many small things that we try to find out and experiment with.
1: Okay. Is
0: there, is there someone uh, you're watching, like who, who you think is doing it, like, well, or you're inspired by, like globally? I mean. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, different. Uh, I watch different people and media for different reasons. Mm-hmm. For example, one of the first um, shows that I was really, um, like, I was very sad that we didn't have something like that in Germany, was 2016-ish from Vox.com with Liz playing, oh,
0: um,
2: And that obviously was one of the inspirations for Deutschland3000. Um, also, like, watching it right now, looking back, it, it has so many flaws, like, algorithm-wise. It was way too long, all the episodes, and it had a very different um, dramaturgy... How do you say it? dramaturgy? <laughs> dramaturgy. Um, but that is something, uh, like, Vox, everything... I- That they are doing, to me, is very interesting, but sometimes I I feel like they have a too high, not too high, but they have a very high expectation uh, for their own videos. So it's always these super chic and awesome graphics. And I just wonder how many people they have that they can put out such good quality and like so consistently. Um, And then we also watch... I don't know, every, like all the cl- like the classic young media, like Al Jazeera Plus, Buzzfeed, um, pff, you name it, all these American outlets. Now this, um, obviously, uh, that it, they are all doing so so well on video, and then you can always like see something there, see something there, and just, just try it out yourself.
0: It's on it's not really a follow-up question but I really wanted to ask this Eva because so you obviously do uh, that you stand out in front of the stand up in front of the camera you you talk politics politics is um you know getting people excited in all <laughs> kinds of ways yes. and and so you get <laughs> you're getting obviously feedback and 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 the feedback I guess is not always like positive. You always have these two sides and um there there has recently been these reports when like youtube and and their policies regarding online harassment and 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 all the stuff like this like how 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 do you see it and did, did you experience some of this or you know if if you like wanna talk mm-hmm. about this
2: yeah, <laughs> I am Super lucky because I'm almost not experiencing any of this yet. Um, I w- I really I actually um, let a friend coach me a little bit before we started with Deutschland 3000 because I was so afraid of being in the center of a shitstorm once that I would start a political format, just as you or show, just as you said. Because normally, especially with our right-wing populist party uh, now being so big on social media, I was expecting the worst um, with starting a political show on Facebook and YouTube. Um, what's happening on YouTube is pretty bad because that's really uh, like a common culture that we have somebody doing social media and he always tells me, okay Eva, I, I got a um, uh, a few comments for you to look at but maybe just on Monday and not before the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's very, again, it's very different from platform to platform. Um, what's happening on Facebook and I'm still surprised and astonished but like pleasantly surprised by this is that we have a super um, constructive um, and and, like very like really dialogue going on in our Facebook comments people are discussing with each other and they're discussing about different opinions and positions and maybe something for like most of your listeners are not going to know Deutschland 3000 what you need to know about that is that it's not a simple info show so I'm not just telling people this is happening but I'm also taking a stance or a about the stuff. And the the thought behind that is that we want to help young people form an opinion, which is not to say that they have to be of my opinion, but quite the opposite. I want them to be maybe even provoked or to just be brought to new thoughts. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the comments, that people say, well, I do not agree with everything, but you sparked this new thought uh, or this new idea, or here's another argument that you haven't thought of. And to me, it's so really, I'm super thankful to see this and uh on the personal side like being a woman on the internet obviously there's a bit more to to complain about but still i think i'm really lucky compared to many of my colleagues um and what's happening on to them so i'm quite fine right now
0: <laughs> wow okay
2: yeah it, i know it's super it's um special and at some time i, I wonder whether we're just too small for any trolls to be a trolling on our pl- on our page because we have right now we have some twenty three thousand subscribers or so and that's obviously not the biggest stage in germany for right-wing trolls or left-wing trolls or any haters um and they always look for a big stage right so maybe that's it and in a few months i'm gonna be in the middle of my shitstorm finally but <laughs> so far i'm just enjoying the the nice discussions that we have there
0: <laughs> okay congrats
1: <laughs> <laughs> congrats so you decided to do it on Facebook as a Facebook format, but you're still on YouTube. Why did you choose to also be on YouTube with Deutschland Treithaus?
2: Mm, that's a policy by my station like the it's a RDNZDF founded this young content network it's called Funk and Funk is having a certain not too small budget uh, once a year or every year to do uh, many different new shows for young people and it's not happening on TV anymore which is super special and new for public broadcasting in Germany but it's only happening on the internet and every show I mean right now there are about 40 to 60 shows channels not only info but also uh, fictional shows or comedy or entertainment stuff, and they all have to define one primary and one secondary channel that they are happening on. I think that that's a super clever strategy on the one hand because um, before funk started started in Germany, it was often this: we do something, we're doing something young now, and that's why we're on every platform at the same time. <laughs> and that's just not so productive and also not good for the stories that you want to tell. If you have one story and you put it on Facebook. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and YouTube uh, I can almost guarantee you that it's not gonna work out so well um and that's also what they saw, so they now um prescribe to their shows and formats and brands that they are launching that they all have to define one primary um channel or platform, and that's Facebook for us, and then because there's also the need of a secondary platform, we chose YouTube, but right now, the focus is really on Facebook also because I mean our videos are super short, most of them are. Uh, in a one-to-one like um how do you say uh not 16 to 9 or not this uh white right yeah. view square which would be preferred by youtube um so we're really facebook focused at the time but it's not so bad to also on the at the side on the side being uh building a, a small community on youtube maybe as as uh, you said earlier uh, if there is the need to to make a shift and to move to a different platform then yeah then we also already have this YouTube present.
1: I'm asking this question because we have like the same thoughts at Build right now, where to go with video and so on. And I mean, when you compare the two platforms, you have Facebook on one side with very nice numbers of views. I mean, your, <laughs> yeah. your videos have, have like a higher number of views on Facebook than on, uh, on YouTube. But on Facebook, a view is like, a, a views, view is like three seconds or so. But, uh, but on YouTube, it's 30 seconds. So wouldn't you love to go there where there is like quality view time and not the the algorithm newsfeed view time which is like automatically starting videos and scrolling over? Wouldn't you wanna to go to um, to YouTube?
2: Well, I wouldn't change platforms just because they are offering bad statistics. Um I think like that's the that's the argument that you're making right no, now, right? No just... no it's not so much
1: about <laughs> statistics but when a view is like 30 seconds you're definitely sure that the the view counts as 30 seconds so the guy or girl watching it definitely spent 30 seconds with your video whereas on facebook he or she spent 3 seconds for example for one view so
2: yeah but uh, i i hope that most of them will stick for longer than yeah. three <laughs> seconds so i think um it's it's again. So, which platform do you, uh, which which audience, which target group do you want to reach, and what's what's the strategy? Do you want? I think on YouTube, the big chance, and what's really nice about YouTube is that you can build a community that then is really involved and engaged, um, but and that also subscribes and just watches every episode in the best case. What we do with Facebook is that we build a community, but also our videos feed into very different communities. Really, from every week. It's a different community. If I do a video uh, about refugees, I reach wholly different people than with a video about the recent coalition uh, blah blah Um, (laughs) the forming of the coalition. So that is something that I really like working on right now is to define a new target audience for every video that we're doing um, within this broader target group of 20 to 29 year olds.
1: But have you have you f- found a change in in views or reach with the Facebook algorithm change that was introduced
2: um, some weeks ago? So it's yeah, it's some weeks ago, and that's also when our new season started, and we had a three-month pause in between. So I was expecting everything and nothing at the same time because we also didn't know what the alg- how the algorithm would treat us after a three-minute. Complete break. Uh, there was nothing happening on the page, and then we were super surprised to have uh, actually really good numbers from the very start. Uh, we pushed it a little bit with with money, which we hadn't done before because uh, during the election, yeah, we just wanted to try out how to build a community without even even putting money on the on the um, or ads on the on the videos, and that worked out actually pretty fine. And then the station that just um, did some marketing or just how do you say some ads um, to 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 make people aware of the start of the new season what we are like we just shifted in strategy a little bit because what's said about the algorithm is that it now not favors shares so much anymore but rather wants to see engagement and discussion right so you Want to have rather than shares and likes, you want to have a proper discussion and want to generate comments. But your videos are perfect for discussions, aren't they? Yeah, and that's what we're focusing right on uh, uh, right now. Because um, earlier we would also focus on shares and see. We always ask with every video that we are planning is who's going to share that. And now the most important question is what's the kind of discussion that we can generate under this video. So that's actually a shift that we are and again following the algorithm with. and yeah, so it's it's a rather small change, maybe compared to like changing view counts, um, because that's something that's, for, to me, it's hard to compare. But I was surprised to see, I mean, our second video just went through the roof and had 3.5 million views. Wow. So I, I really can't complain. <laughs> oh.
0: I, I, I have a question regarding uh, the platform, because... Um, in my point of view, YouTube is a much better discovery uh, platform. Yes. So, like, you don't actually really know who we, we will end up, like, uh, watching your videos on YouTube, but somehow their algorithm got, like, so good, I would say, that it, it, it finds the right people. On the other hand, Facebook is more, like, about the, the community itself. So if I like your video, I will be sharing it, like, till the end of times <laughs> because i i i like, I like it but uh, don't you see like you could you think like so? be growing do you really
2: think so so you think that somebody like uh, 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 like let's think of a typical facebook fan of let's say deutschland 3000 that he would share every video that i do that's what you're observing like with your facebook feed
0: well, when we were doing like like videos for young people like I I can now say like the John Oliver style videos, yeah. you know, like making fun of like the recent news and uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, yes, it was like almost the, the same people sharing, liking it and it 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 grew, but it had obviously we're a small country and there was like the 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 maybe the echo chamber effect is that much bigger in, in a small country and so it it reached uh, a top, you know? So so obviously there was like one one hit at a time, but not like always. But in my opinion it was like uh because the, the YouTube as a platform, um if you if you're hitting the right keywords and the you know the right emotions over there. Uh, obviously, it's much much more like algorithm oriented, and like w- what kind of words you're using, and like uh, yeah, the yeah, length of the video. The whole, yeah. But but the, the the long tail of the video is like so much like bigger that mm-hmm. like the old all also the videos which are like years older still work and still are are getting watched by people, and I can't remember. On facebook watching a video that was like older than like two weeks or a month you know
2: yeah yeah that's true and that's also part of the frustrating uh yeah that's the frustrating part about that work um but i think i i observe quite the opposite i mean obviously youtube isn't about shares but what i would think is that if once you subscribe to a youtube channel you're much more likely to watch every video than if you subscribe or are a fan of a uh, Facebook uh, video channel, especially because, yeah, yeah. like at least with us, uh, not everybody shares every video. Uh, quite the opposite. You, like, for me to have this to to crack this burden of uh, sharing something, I really have to be either one hundred percent on their d'accord with it, especially like with our opinionated, politic videos. Um, or it has to strike a chord with a certain emotion that I want to share, or it has to have a certain information that I think i 'm the first to to get to know or the first one to to learn about this argument I want to share it with my my peer group and my community and share them hey i 'm a first mover this is i 'm sharing this argument with you because maybe you want to you want to learn about it or you want to share this emotion with me, and that is certainly not going to happen with me weekly on a weekly basis with the same publisher um so that's why we always think so strongly and much about okay, who's gonna share this emotion? Um, whom are we gonna touch with this the most?
0: Okay, makes makes sense. Mark, can I can I have a last question, or you want? You can have a
1: last question. We <laughs> really running We really run, running out of time. This, this is like this
0: is like super quick, like super quick question. No, we so,
1: uh, you can take your time. When it's interesting? It's interesting.
0: So, uh, Eva, um, horizontal versus vertical video, like, uh-huh. is it, is, is it versus in your square, view of general
1: or square, don't square video or
0: okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just, okay. I I forgot the square video, especially
1: on
2: Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, yeah, it's a perfect answer because I'm doing square video now. I don't have to decide anymore, but office, I would say, I mean, with us, I think Oh, I don't have the proper numbers. I think fifty percent of our video is watched uh, on the mobile devices, so I don't want to have a horizontal view anymore. It's like not on social. Obviously, I want my Netflix horizontal, but um, <laughs> okay. like with with social video, to me, like yeah, square or or vertical, just to not have to move your phone and to turn your phone because nobody's doing that anymore.
0: Uh, but um, square square so, is so, like you know likely. avoiding the answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but Square is this—that's the perfect solution. It's, it's exactly that. You don't have to make a decision anymore, and it's perfect because it's it's taking up the most space on your screen, and it's yeah. Like
0: in my in, my in t- <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: I think no. I think <laughs> I think I think if I gave gave the answer earlier in, in the podcast when she said like you have to look for out for your audience, target group, and platform. Uh, when you're producing a ninety minute movie, it's one of the most beautiful things to have it like in a cinema super wide screen that's just the best but if you're on the go and have like a 30 second video why w- won't you make it vertical so
2: and that's also again youtube to me is very interesting because it's partly social but it's mainly to me and uh, what i observe with our users a laid-back medium i recently in december i was um on a very big German YouTube channel as a guest. And peep, uh, that was a longer show. It took like some hours. It was crazy. Uh, the, and, the pen uh, and paper. People would, yeah, the pen and paper with Rocket Beans. And um, people would send pictures on Twitter where they, had, um, they watched it on their TV screens and op- like on the big TV screens in their living rooms, and laid back, they they did like they had their second screen phones, but obviously that one needed to be in horizontal and wide and nice quality and everything. But I th- I'm afraid nobody's watching my content on TV screens except for maybe my parents at some point. <laughs> but um, uh, other than that, it has to be square and uh, to be optimized for mobile. So, yeah, sorry, David.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm just like. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I I totally get it, but like if if I knew that my audience is maybe 70% mobile, it would be a shame in my point of view obviously, not not yours, like not use the whole screen of the mobile, you know? That's that's my problem with the square video. It's like on on either side, so you're like not using the full potential of the mobile.
2: Yeah, but I think then Still, uh, Square is the best compromise, because if you still have a huge percentage of people watching it uh, on their laptops or uh, tablets, then, I mean, you can also have a very good tease and title and work with more, like, that's also stuff that can attract people to watching the video, or turning the sound on. So I'm, I'm not, too, I don't feel too bad, especially because when I uploaded my Snapchat stuff on YouTube, people would watch it, but they would always complain about could you please turn your phone? What are you doing there? Why is this vertical? And that's, I mean, that's the perfect example of how you have to produce for the for the, for the um, for the platform and for each platform you have to, to put out the content, not just like, I don't know, distributed everywhere in the same form. You have, if you have five platforms, you have to have five different pieces of, of, of uh, content data that you put up there, even if it's the same story.
0: Okay, I'm convinced I'm in the square, <laughs> square <laughs> you know, group now. Like, Ma- Very good.
1: yeah, maybe there will be some kind of technology that allows us to like produce one video and it somehow magically transfers it from there to there and then transform it from vertical to horizontal. We don't know yet. Maybe Elon Musk is working on this right now.
2: <laughs> well, actually, the how how did they call it the snap the the content that you would or the video that you would produce with the Snapchat glasses that where you could turn around. Oh, you know, the, the circle, uh, circle that, one. That was actually a first try at that, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. I almost forgot about that but but the Yeah the, the... exactly exactly
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh you got me you got me so bad
2: <laughs> <laughs> No but that's exa- that's so that's such a pity because again that was like the spectacles were so much better than the Google glass and they were also so innovative and Snapchat at so many points has been so innovative and still they're getting sacked by the bigger platforms and it's it's it hurts to observe that and still yeah Nobody's wearing spectacles in Europe,
0: right? No, I haven't seen anyone. Like, on, only Americans who come to Europe. And
1: Richard, Richard Gutjahr. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's
1: okay, I, ge- I guess that's, I that's
0: someone from Germany, right?
1: Yes. Yes,
2: that's a German journalist.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Sorry, David. But, um, yeah, don't be sad. That you don't <laughs> know. Maybe we can invite him one time. To
0: talk about the Snapchat glasses.
1: Um,
2: (laughs) There's a lot to talk about with them.
0: Yes, that's true. (laughs) Okay, I'm sensing (laughs) something here, but let's just leave it there. And uh, I guess like our time's up, right?
1: Yes, unfortunately. We are over time, but it's all right. (laughs) Because audio is, I don't know, we have time and time and time. And yeah. Maybe the listeners stopped listening, but then we still had fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, in the end, we're just doing this for you and me, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. Um, Okay, Eva, it's it's been great. um, Thank you for taking the time. Even so, yes, so this was late fun. Monday. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, of course. We almost—I almost forgot. Are you coming to the International Journalism Festival? Oh, in thank you.
2: <laughs> oh yes, I will. I will. Um, I will come. We actually have a, a panel there with uh, many different shows from Funk, so from the content network that I'm so, part of. So you're a speaker. Yes, I'm a speaker. Uh, perfect.
0: There. <laughs> I, I okay, Mark. Every, now now every we are definitely a branded yeah. podcast for. the... Yeah. <laughs> Because like every speaker in the like past Except- two or three months uh, has like on our our guests have been invited to be speakers. Yeah, but
2: that's but, uh, awesome. Then that we should have a meetup. There. Yeah, like uh, make it a check your facts meetup.
0: Now, now I guess we we have to do this, Mark. Yeah,
1: probably.
2: Yes,
0: please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, well, will Drake. <laughs> uh, Okay, Thank, thanks for this and for all of you listeners who stuck with us and uh, you're, this is your first time listening to this pod- podcast, please be sure to subscribe. There, are, there will be an new great episodes coming every week to your favorite podcast app and uh, you can follow us on the social platforms. And what else is there to say, Mark?
1: Don't forget to always check your facts. Yeah, especially that's now. important. Especially sure now.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Eva. Okay. It's been great. Thank you. Thank
2: See you in Peruja. See you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
1: Bye.